So Money Episode 1026, Susie Moore, author of Stop Checking Your Likes. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Life is always unpredictable and uncertain. Right now, we're certainly in a very kind of chaotic space. Politically, you know, when it comes to coronavirus, I mean, there are always kind of all these things going on. And I think that even in that chaos and that panic, you can still find your own steadiness. And that comes with a couple of things. First of all, it's understanding and managing what you can control, which in a lot of cases is is not all that much, right? But what you can control is still always going to be within your power, what you decide to do with your family, what you decide to put your attention on, whether or not you kind of really get involved and focus and kind of, you know, get into the hype of it all, or whether or not you don't do that. In these uncertain times, we grow even more uncertain about our choices, our self-worth, our direction in life. So I wanted to invite back one of my best friends and mentors, Susie Moore, to share her wisdom and reflections on how we can all feel more in control of our lives right now. Susie has a new book that supports so much of what we're all experiencing. It's called Stop Checking Your Likes, Shake Off the Need for Approval, and Live an Incredible Life. You can learn more about it at StopCheckingYourLikes.com. Susie's got some bonuses if you purchase the book right now through the end of April. On the episode, Susie and I discuss how to stop intentionally making life harder. We do this, including myself, whether that's with work or parenting, because we think harder equals better or more worthy. It doesn't how to have a healthier relationship with social media. And Susie shares some of her own practices that allow her to overcome some of the social and economic challenges of her childhood to be in the driver's seat of her own happiness. Here's Susie Moore. Susie Moore, my good friend, welcome to So Money. Oh, thank you, Farnoosh, for having me back. You know, I love any opportunity to talk to you. Me too. And I mean, we talked like five minutes ago. You're you're uh-huh. on my speed dial, girlfriend. Everybody, yes, lucky me. Susie Moore and I met a couple of years ago at a dinner, a work dinner, became fast friends, obviously had her on the podcast because she is a, a wealth of knowledge. She is a, a life coach, but she is also just like an experienced, interesting woman who you, I remember, I know, I'll never forget the story you shared on my first interview on this show with you was about growing up poor and being the kid. We all know, right? We were, we were that kid or we had kids in our classroom who had to get subsidized lunch mm-hmm. and just the humiliation and the shame that comes with that because it becomes this whole ceremony of going and getting your lunch card in the mornings. And people mm-hmm. are like, why mm-hmm. is this person getting a lunch card? And it, it de- immediately identifies you as sort of the quote unquote poor kid. Mm-hmm. And you had, you had the, just the strength and the wherewithal and the might at a young age to go in, walk into your principal's office and say, we need to change this policy and have kids be, you know, have it be more subtle because it's really mm-hmm. impacting our you know, our self-esteem. 
Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, there are always workarounds with anything. And I think if you have the courage to suggest one, in more cases than not, you're going to be successful. Yeah. I think that really that's the issue, though. Most of us don't have the courage. We don't know that it's always available. We don't always think that things can be done a different way because we're so used to doing things the way that they are. Well, that's a great transition for us because why I wanted you back on the show was to talk about your new book. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Stop checking your likes. Talk mm-hmm. about you know, needing to find the strength. It's really hard, Susie. I refresh that Instagram. It's that dopamine hit that we all know we get. Did you even know you get that when you, I mean, that's what social media, the social media founders and the creators and the people behind it, like they know exactly what they're doing. They know that this is addicting. Mm -hmm. You wanted to write a book that sort of addressed this idea of self-doubt and self-reflection. And we use social media so much as a barometer of self, mm-hmm. of self-worth. How do we reconcile? Because we, I love using Instagram, but I get it. I know it can be a dangerous place for my self-esteem sometimes. Where do we even begin to find peace? Mm, it's a good question. And it's a big question. I think that, you know, stop checking your likes. I mean, it's not a book about social media. It's about, you know, finding your own approval of the self, self-approval. Um, but essentially, yeah, like Instagram, any really social platform, it's become the modern measurement of how well we're doing, right? Are we popular? Are we saying the right thing? Are we vacationing in the right places? And you're right. These social media creators, you know, the creators of these platforms, they're very clever. They, they know what, you know, they're doing, but we have more control than they do when it comes to our time, our attention, our focus. And sometimes I think we give that up a bit too willingly. We're like, oh no, you know, this is just like how it is. And you know, this, you know, this matters. Other people's opinion of me matters. And that can be valuable to some extent in business, but most of the time it's of absolutely no consequence to you what other people are thinking of you. And we just give it far too much clout and it affects almost all of our decisions in a lot of cases. You know that expression that net worth is self-worth and I know that your book's not just about social media, but just sticking with the social media platform for a minute, that seems to be where a lot of us are showing off, right? Um, Showing off the excess or the pretend excess. And I think that that's another layer to this where it's not about FOMO sometimes, fear of missing out, but sometimes like you feel like you're not as successful as some of your other friends. You're not making as much money as your other friends as they are sharing their, you know, their fancy restaurant trips, their dinners, their homes, mm-hmm. their, their outfits. And so what would you say to that person who is looking at using social media, looking at it through that lens and feeling negative and having self-doubt because they feel like financially they're not measuring up? Yeah, first of all, I would say that you're not alone. This is a very common human experience. No matter how wealthy or like skinny or like no matter how pleasing your life seems to other people, whenever we observe others, it's very, very natural to have a response, you know, feeling I'm not good enough. I'm not there yet. It's very, very common, first of all. Um, But then secondly, I'd say we're only getting a small glimpse and we're getting the top 5% glimpse into that person's world. We don't know anything about them. In most cases, we don't know if they're in debt, if their child is sick, if they're being bullied, if they talk to their parents. We don't know anything to do with the real behind the scenes of their life because that's typically not what is shared. So we have to put everything we see into major perspective. And you know, once you kind of learn to do this or you even grasp this a little bit, social media can be fun. It can be this fun thing for you, not this, you know, scroll hole of feeling bad and then wanting to overspend and, you know, this constant approval seeking and wanting to match up 
up really kind of leaving you in this bad place financially. I always say, you know, approval, seeking approval really helps you, you know, abdicate yourself, but it can be really expensive, right? We, we spend money to impress others. We want to please others by, you know, keeping up with them. And essentially, I think it also stops us making big moves in our lives because it takes courage to do that, especially in business, because we feel like, oh, we can't do that. We might fail. And then what will everybody else say or think? So then what are the metrics that we really should be measuring ourselves up against when it comes to feeling good about ourselves? First of all, I think the one thing that we need to understand is that nobody knows what's inside of you and what your life purpose and design is besides you. Not your mom, no matter how close you are, not your spouse, no matter how much you love each other, not your best friend, no matter how much you're just, you know, completely joined at the hip. Only you know what is right for you in your lifetime. And the most important thing is to tune into yourself, understand what it is that you want, what's going to be fulfilling you in the long term. But it's so easy to never do that. It's so much easier to stick with what our parents you know, have influenced, influenced us to do or to do what the kind of popular people are doing and to kind of be, you know, be more of a follower than a leader in our own lives. And, you know, it's so easy to forget that, you know, we, we came into this world alone. We're going to be leaving this world alone. And the path that we're meant to walk in, it can be walked alongside others, but it can't be walked by other people for us. So it has to be completely independent and personal, measuring what it is that your your lifetime contribution is and how you spend your time and what you do you know, during your time on planet Earth that matters based on your own self-opinion. You made a recent change in your life that some people might have been like, what is Susie doing? But you moved away <laughs> from New York City to Miami. And yes. I love that. I love the I love the bold moves in life. I'm a big cheerleader for anybody who wants to make a bold move. And mm-hmm. I think I wonder if you struggle a little bit with that sense of feeling like um, you're doing something different, which can feel scary. Uh-huh. It's not like what everyone else is doing. How did you find how did you know this was the right move for yourself? Oh, funny. Can I say, I got a lot of negative feedback about my move. Everyone yeah, I can like, imagine. Yeah, you're leaving the, the place. Florida. And New York. New York is Liberal the Liberal New York to conservative <laughs> Florida, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Miami's I- not conservative so much, but you know, the state. Yeah, the state and also just you know, like New York being the epicenter of everything. The thing is, I agree with everybody with, you know, with, with what they're saying and New York being a you know, fantastic place to live. But it's me who has to decide, you know, what, what climate I want, what tax system I want, what type of lifestyle I want. And like, yeah, I guess it was a kind of bold, unpredictable move, but um, I've moved around a lot and I've had a lot of different careers. And sometimes I feel as if the people who welcome change and experience change, they're almost better with this approval, living approval free, because they're simply not as attached to things. I think sometimes being very attached to things can, um, can really inhibit you from, you know, from doing the things that are going to really help you succeed and bring you a lot of joy. And I find that I don't, I just don't feel attached to really where I live in the same way or as deeply as some people, you know, especially having moved countries. And I think I also, this is another trick. I just don't take it all so seriously. (laughs) I feel like everyone's very serious. And, you know, if I say in my book, you know, if if someone says, you know, what's your advice to succeed? And everyone's like, hustle, strive. And I just like to say, relax, you know, like relax. I appreciate that so much from you. I've shared it on this podcast in case (laughs) you didn't know. I have often echoed your advice, which is just let it be easy. You know, Mm -hmm. why, why try to make something 
purposely hard. We do this because I think we have it in our ingrained in our minds that the harder something is, then the reward will be that much better or bigger. And and that's not true. Like the longer hours you work, like don't work harder, work smarter, work simpler. Um, Mm -hmm. because it does allow you to feel a little bit more, I think in the end fulfilled and you have more time for other things that matter. You know, you Mm -hmm. didn't write a financial book, but I really do think that your book, Stop Checking Your Likes, for Mm -hmm. me, I mean, I, I feel like it really hits home financially because so much of how we decide to live our lives, the, just the financial decisions that we make are influenced by, you mentioned family, culture, mm-hmm. friends. Mm-hmm. And I think right now, like we're airing this interview in April, but we're in the thick of sort of this coronavirus mayhem and everyone's got an opinion about what you should be doing with your money. And I, I think it's even harder when, when things like a crisis hits, you almost feel like so vulnerable. So mm-hmm. any advice for people who want to kind of feel like they're leading with their own compass, mm-hmm. whether it's making financial decisions, life decisions, work decisions in yeah. a time where there's so much unpredictability, we're kind of like, we kind of want other people to tell us what to do, right? Mm-hmm. Cause it feels safer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I would say that life is always unpredictable and uncertain. Right now, we're certainly in a very kind of chaotic space. Politically, you know, when it comes to coronavirus, I mean, there are always kind of all these things going on. And I think that even in that chaos and that panic, you can still find your own steadiness. And that comes with a couple of things. First of all, it's understanding and managing what you can control, which in a lot of cases is is not all that much, right? But what you can control is still always going to be within your power, what you decide to do with your family, what you decide to put your attention on, whether or not you kind of really get involved and focus and kind of, you know, get into the hype of it all, or whether or not you don't do that. That is a decision. Sometimes I think we feel like we have to to be responsible. But I would kind of argue that that's not true. It's deeply um, personal, how, how, how engaged you want to get with what's happening in the news. But sometimes I think that there's an outcome to getting involved that we believe will happen, like there'll be a positive outcome, whereas we're just kind of making ourselves very stressed out without actually making a positive contribution. So first of all, I'd start there. And then I think, you know, when it comes to you know your own life and kind of in the swirl of everything that's going on in the world, the only thing that's predictable about life is the fact that it's completely uncertain. Right? We don't even know. We don't know how long our time is. We don't know if we're going to live to see tomorrow. We don't know anything. So I feel like being finding comfort in uncertainty and just finding a sense of you know steadiness, consistency, presence, joy, wherever you are in your life, just choosing that, like choosing that multiple times a day because we have our moments. We can kind of get out of it. But choosing it and always kind of coming back to it is how you're going to be not only in the top, top 10% of happy people, but you're also just going to find that I think too, your life is going to improve and good things will just keep happening for you. You are one of the most confident people I know, happiest <laughs> people I know. And if anyone knew your, and they can read the book and find out, but they will read the book and find out your upbringing. Mm-hmm. Surprising to know you today and to also understand where you came from and the background that you had. Um, mm-hmm. You had a hard life, and that yeah. was that was the first interview that we sh- that we had. And people can go back and listen more uh, about Susie talking about you know growing up in poverty in the UK, like single mom, all the things. What do you practice? Because I have to believe mm-hmm. at this point, probably it's unconscious because you have made such a conscious effort and a consistent effort to. Mm-hmm 
mm-hmm. be in charge of your life, to be sort of in charge of your own mood and happiness. Mm-hmm. But when you are just kind of making that transition, was it conscious? Mm-hmm. Was it deliberate? I know you read like yes. one self-help book a week, girl. <laughs> okay. I don't know how anybody gets by without self-help, by the way. I mean, I swear I need it like really daily, if not like every two or three days to stay on track. That's why I'm, like you said, I'm always reading something that's going to be self-help based or personal development based or inspirational. But yeah, I mean, when I grew up, there was a lot of addiction. We lived in shelters. Uh, We were always trying to get away from my dad, who was abusive. My mom has her kind of issues. We moved around a lot. Like there's a story in my book where I, uh, I opened with my dad, me coming home to my dad's house after school and him having a couple of hookers there. I mean, this is wild information. Um, but I think the thing that really made a big difference for me was when I was 15, I found this book, the secondhand book in a secondhand store called The Magic of Thinking Big, which was an American book. And I remember sharing it with my friends at the time as a teenager and saying, oh my gosh, I found this book and it's so incredible. And they were like, it sounds so American, <laughs> right? Because it does. It's very optimistic, which is one of the reasons <laughs> I always wanted to live here. But I just found this book and I committed to it. It was almost like an overnight change. The book, I still have my original copy with all of my notes and highlights and it's falling apart. But essentially it's all about, you know, the power of the mind, making no excuses, always be, you know, taking full responsibility for your life, and then really setting a vision for your life that might be unrealistic for people around you. I just consumed it all, believed every word, and it's written in this funny 1950s American uh, style, and it says things like, um, success isn't just, you know, um, you finding wealth, it's having a happy wife and a happy secretary. <laughs> like, Oh my God, I got to find this book. <laughs> it is old, it's what, like 70 or like, yes. Yeah, 70 or 80 years old. It's very old. Um, but I just loved it and I bought into it. And I swear, instantly just reading those words, I knew it was true. Just by by the power of pure observation, when you look around you, it's not the most qualified, the most capable, the most intelligent, the most connected people who kind of get what they want and who have the successful life that they want to create. It's the people who have the courage to, to go for it and who believe that they're worthy of it. And so that's something that I always cultivate. I'm st- I still work on it. There's not a day where it arrives and you're like, oh, got it now, it's down. It's always working on it and being willing to work on it. And I swear, like, this is why it's so gorgeous to be a human. There are so many layers to ask me. I feel like we learn things again and again in different ways. And there's so much amazing material that makes it easy to work on yourself. So I distilled some of the secrets that I, you know, over maybe what, 600 self-help books now, my favorite lessons in my book the best things because there are always common themes. And yeah, I feel like I've, I've taken the nuggets from everything that I've consumed, all types of books, and put them in a kind of really easy to read story-based setting. What I'm hearing is that this is really a process, right? You're not going to just pick up a book and your life has changed. Suddenly, oh, all self-approval happening in all realms of life. Because also, you, know, you could be completely self-satisfied and self-approved, you know, as far as your career is concerned, but then maybe you're not happy with your health or your weight or your image or mm-hmm. um, your finances. And so it's a journey. 
Mm-hmm. In your journey right now, Susie, mm-hmm. in your life, and you've read so many books and you've taken, you mm-hmm. talked about these nuggets, what's something that you're latching onto right now that's helping mm-hmm. you and why? I think one thing that's really helpful for me at the moment, is, especially, I mean, you know what it's like, Farnoosh, you have multiple books, creating a book, always doing new things in your business, new things in your life. I One thing that I've learned, that, which I just constantly remind myself of, especially at the moment, is that there's no right or wrong way to do anything. There's not like one path and you better not veer from it because you're going to get it wrong and it's going to be a failure. But just knowing that everybody is just doing their best. There is no truth. Everyone's just, you know, trying to fit, like figure it out as they go. There's a quote that I love uh, from the book, A Room with a View, which I quote in my book. And it says that life is just a public performance of the violin, learning to play as you go along. And I feel like that just gives me massive like freedom and permission. This word permission is used a lot, but it means just to kind of go my own way and kind of do what feels right for me and make decisions and make changes and kind of do it on the fly. And I mean, not to repeat myself, but to not be so like stressed out or uptight about it. And I think this is where I see people make themselves sick a lot. They're like, has to be this, this has to be that, you know, everything seems so fixed when nothing's fixed. Nobody Mm -hmm. knows anything for sure. Like it's all just like this state of fluidity in the world. So like just kind of choose your flow, right? Instead of just going with the flow of others, like choosing your own flow. And I mean, yeah, again, to repeat myself, letting it be easier for you. I see, I think very few people do this or they do it for a while and then they stop because they go back to the emotion that they have to be stressing out. And there's a lot of guilt associated with ease, Mm, right? Yes, absolutely. You're like, like, I'm, I'm not working hard enough. Mm -hmm. I'm not, if I'm not stressed, I'm not doing it right. I know. And we're like, oh my gosh, if it's easy, then there's something wrong with this, which is- I'm doing it wrong. I know. So, I mean, you said that you like this phrase, let it be easy. Can I ask what you like about it or how you've kind of let it in a little bit? The let it be easy easy expression? What, how I've applied it in my life? Mm -hmm. Okay. So I've dropped a lot of balls as a mom and I think I'm okay with it. You know, Mm -hmm. I want to give every parent out there permission to be completely imperfect and- Mm -hmm. Cereal in the morning is more than okay. Mm-hmm. Leftover pizza is more than okay. When you've had a crazy day at work, or I just think that it's we we sort of obsess over these details with our with our kids that can become obsessive that really don't matter. Like when I think about my relationship with my parents today. I remember the times that they spent with me, the the conversations that we had, the trips that we took. It wasn't like, what did my mom? Yeah, I make fun of the fact that she packed me bologna every day for lunch. And guess what? She packed me bologna every day for lunch. If I were to do that today with my kids, like the school would be calling me. So it all works out, people. And I think that I would over think and overstress sometimes the details of trying to create this like perfect childhood for them and to my own defeat. And I I just stopped, I I go, my husband and I, and I think we were both thinking that this is the way that it has to be. And as soon as one of us or both of us just started to like give ourselves permission to be less intense, Mm -hmm. um, it made us feel so much more at peace with everything. Mm -hmm. Tim and I say hashtag parenting, like that we we have this saying, we're like, you know, the other day I was texting him and I was like, yeah, I uh, totally sent our daughter to school, like, 
like, you know, without her water bottle. And you know what? She'll just have to drink out of the, the faucet. Oh, well, hashtag parenting. Like, but you know, your kids get attached to their things and then you feel bad and then your kids make you feel bad. Forget it. Make it be, let it be easy. I'm also, this podcast, as much of a grind as it is, or at least it appears to be because it's people are like, how do you do it three days a week? And I was doing it seven days a week when I started. I progressively made it easier for myself. I went from seven days a week to five to three. I have just figured it out and I and I know what I need to focus on to make it great and what I don't and no one will notice. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, no one notices. And I'm sure like with your kids, when you relax, you know, even if they're not eating these macrobiotic muffins or whatever, like kids are meant to be eating if they, if they have the fanciest, you know, kind of conditions in their life. I mean, they have a slice of happy mom, right? At night, mom's relax. That's more important to them, right? Like you said, what, what do you remember? You remember your kind of your fun with your parents and, or you remember the stress of your parents. I remember that. You know, and and how that feels like we we absorb it. So, the the I think the most generous thing too you can be is relaxed a lot of the time, because we have you know in our body these mirror neurons, meaning that if we're around someone very optimistic and in a good mood, it's likely to boost us, and if we're around the opposite, it's also likely to kind of you know bring us down. That's why we actually often gravitate towards you know positive people, confident people, because they also you know awaken that in us. And so when we're stressed out, freaking out, unhappy with ourselves, that's not very generous. So this is kind of why I always think that my priority is managing my own like brain every day, managing my mood, managing my energy, because then not is only everything easier, but it's the best way that I can you know show up for anybody. And it's going to be, the, the, it will always lead to the best outcome. Do you think that the world that we're living in now promotes more self-doubt or there's more opportunity to kind of find your groove and your rhythm and to, and to like, you know, not care so much about what other people think because you've got obviously social media, which wasn't around and so prevalent 10 years ago. What do you think about the time in that we're in the world that we're at? And you think it's easier now than ever? I think that maybe it's more visible because of like these mediums that we have, but it's certainly not any more than ever. I think that, you know, what, you know, social media has kind of replaced the ladies at the line dancing or the, you know, the families at church or, uh, you know, however people used to, the people at the bar, like whatever. Did you say line dancing? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's what people used to do. They still do, I think. But, But I think it hasn't gotten any worse. It's just kind of easier to see now. So I think this is just part of the human condition, you know, like comparison. And comparison can be healthy in some ways, especially if you're comparing yourself to your ideal self. And sometimes we need people who are further ahead than us to help show us who our ideal self can be. Role models, mentors, absolutely. Real life role models, but then understanding that they're helping you, not harming you. And they're certainly not there to exist to make you feel bad. So I think that it hasn't gotten any worse. I mean, like comparison, like jealousy, feeling not good enough. This is, I mean, this is a universal age old problem. Um, It's just slightly more kind of easy to access now. And, but the thing is, that's up to you how much you access it, right? If you don't see it, it can't bother you. You can take breaks, you can post without checking. There are lots of things that you can do. I mean, it still makes me laugh sometimes when I think, so I checked my Instagram average the other day and it said 23 minutes a day. And I thought that was a lot. I was like, mm, that's a lot that's of time. That's it? 23 <laughs> minutes on Instagram a day? 
think about it, Fanish, you could learn a language in 20 minutes a day. You could be speaking like Japanese or you know Spanish or like whatever it is. 20 minutes a day doing anything else will bring you a return. I, I thought it'd be more. No, no offense. I just I, because I think I spend more time on Instagram. You have a huge following on Instagram, so I just assume mm-hmm. that with that comes more engagement, more involvement. But well, I have uh, my assistant. She reads my different uh, like columns, and she's read my book, and she takes posts and uh, it quotes. She takes quotes and posts them for me. Um, I do, you know, my lives and stuff, but not really. And I'm not really scrolling through to the degree that I think most people are because. I don't know. I don't think, again, I I just don't think there's a return on that for me. And there are other things that bring a return. Plus I value, I value, you know, napping, (laughs) eating, eating without my phone. I value reading a lot, going for walks, like whatever it is. And I think that, uh, that's cool. I mean, I think that a lot of things that I don't see, people often will tell me what's happening before I see it myself. But I think that that's, I mean, it certainly contributes to my just feeling of being a little bit more calm too. And didn't you tell me that there's actually a study or many studies that have found a reduction in social media browsing mm-hmm. leads to happier lives? Yeah, connect. Yeah, it's been proven that if you disconnect intentionally, even over small periods with your phone or really any device, that it makes you feel more connected. Because constantly being attached to, you know, a piece of technology, it's very isolating. It can lead to depression, feelings of social isola- social um, isolation. And that, because it's not normal, like it's not kind of how like how, how our lives are intended to be. Like, look around you. Nature is gorgeous. The world is gorgeous. People are, I mean, hu- human beings are all around us, these fascinating beings. And so when we're just, you know, on our phone looking at like a blue light screen, that's just kind of not, re- that, that's kind of really not the intention for our life, you know offers such a huge focus of it. So I think that's that's not surprising. And it's the good news is that it's entirely up to you. No one's forcing you to do anything. Yeah. So challenge for all of us. I know it's hard if some of us are not leaving the house these days, but um, try to connect with the world around you instead of the world in your hand. Mm-hmm. Or even like when you, even just when you're eating, I mean, you see people eating all the time on their phone and they're not even like tasting their food. Yeah. We have a strict rule about that in our house that you know, I'm not very strict with the TV. I'll be honest. Mm, um, that's okay. You know, I don't give them all the TV, but they get mm-hmm. a little bit every day probably at this point. Um, <laughs> but we have, but whether we're out or home, I just want to not have a distraction other than the food and company when we're eating because mm-hmm. that's enough. Like that, there's plenty it's more you can do with people around you. Talk, plenty mm-hmm. to talk about. It's more than enough. And I think like too, that's kind of where you kind of create and you cultivate these memories of family. And look, you see it wherever you go, like restaurants and so forth. Instead of enjoying your pasta, you're adding a filter to it, adding all the gifts, like, you know, food coma, ha ha. And it's like, just eat. <laughs> I, I wanted to say somebody once, that's going to be called, I'll eat it if you won't. <laughs> You know, because all the things have to happen first. And you know, I do think too, that part of loving yourself and valuing yourself is knowing that some things, no matter how Instagrammable or, you know, exciting to show others are allowed to be just for you. So like if you see something like a cool sunrise or sunset, if you enjoy a fantastic drink with a gorgeous view, like I think that part of it is saying, you know what, this is just going to be for me. And that is such a delicious place to be too. I like that. Find something, be a little selfish about it. Mm-hmm. I like it. Fish. Mm-hmm. You know, another thing that you've helped me make easy is work. And you mm-hmm. and I host a workshop together Yay. that is one of the most fulfilling things I do all year. And we do it more than mm-hmm. once a year. Mm-hmm. And 
And it's just easy because it's, we're not forcing ourselves to achieve mm-hmm. something that is out of our, you know, zone. We, 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 so everybody, it's called Pitch Please, shameless mm-hmm. plug. We just yes. wrapped our program, our workshop in March. We'll do another one in October. It's in New York mm-hmm. City. It always sells out. It's like 30 mm-hmm. entrepreneurs from all over the world coming to learn about our favorite thing, which is media. Yeah. How to get mentioned in the press, featured in the press, become a contributor and have that help you grow your business, your platform, whatever you like. And mm-hmm. so stay tuned for more of that. But Susie, thank you for really changing my life, bringing so much more joy into my life. Having you on this show now twice mm-hmm. uh, is such a gift. I think our listeners are going to walk away hopefully with some really concrete steps on how to just be nicer to yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can check everything out at stopcheckingyourlikes.com where there's some special book bonuses for the Ooh. end of April. And Farnoosh, I adore you, my favorite sister. <laughs> You're the sister I never had. Sister from another mister. Uh, yes. <laughs> That's us. Congrats again on your book. And we will be sure to put those links on the So Money Podcast website. Thank you. Thank you, Bonnie. Thanks so much to Susie for joining us. Check out stopcheckingyourlikes.com. If you missed any of this, check out somoneypodcast.com where you can share the episode and download the transcript. Keep your questions coming for me. And if you'd like to co-host Ask Farnoosh on Fridays, let me know. Click on Ask Farnoosh on the So Money Podcast website and submit your question or your comment. You could also email me, farnoosh at somoneypodcast.com. And of course, Instagram, direct message me there at farnoosh tarabi. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. And I hope your day is so money.